it's uh, extremely appropriate that we have the, uh, the special zechus this evening uh, of Daniel Gladstein. Now, generally, people tell me that in my introductions, I sometimes get very flowery, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it to facts. I'm only going to say fact. Okay, fact. I gave a Shabbos Agadol Drasha this year. People didn't like it. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't very good, except for one thing. People kept saying, Where, that piece from Rabbi Gladstein, can you send me that piece from Rabbi Gladstein? Like someone sent me a text, I was at your Shabbos Agadol Drasha yesterday, can you send me the piece from Rabbi Gladstein? <laughs> like, that was the only, the only, so I said, this is working, right? Rabbi Gladstein. So through Pesach, Every drasha I gave, I took straight from Rabbi Gladstein. Fact, I, I took straight from Rabbi Gladstein's paper. I quoted him, and and the the all of a sudden, everyone said, "When did you become such a good darshan?" So, and that was cliche. So, I thought it would be a very very nice and a special opportunity for our shul to be able to have it clearishon uh, from Rabbi Gladstein Belshem this evening. I thank him so much for sharing his divrei Torah that with us this evening. Thank you so much, Rabbi Leibowitz, for the very generous introduction. This is my first uh, opportunity to speak in the new Binyan, so Mazel Tov on the new building. Uh, my humble blessing that Bezos Hashem, there should be Makoim Torah, Makoim Tefillah, L'Shem Tiferes, led by your renowned Rav, who I also just stick to facts. Uh, Rabbi Leibowitz is uh, unquestionably one of the great Marbitse Torah today. And it's really an uh, honor to be in his uh, neighborhood and to be in his base at Knesses. And uh, we're Mavarich the Rav. He should have uh, many continued successful years, Siata Deshmaya, in the base at Knesses and in all of his endeavors. <clears throat> there are certain advantages of being a, a visiting rabbi, and one sometimes could take certain liberties they would not be able to take in their actual place, because uh, when it's over, you get to go home. I may take advantage of that particular opportunity um, to speak about the, the matzav and to speak about a few things relevant to Talmud Torah in general. just want to mention a few points that are resonating with me at the current time. One thing that we all know, but we tend to forget, is that the ingredients necessary to be successful in learning are completely different than the ingredients necessary to be successful in any other discipline. I remember, I remember when I was in the Sifta, in Beis Medrash, surprisingly, the most intelligent people in the class or in the shir were not always the best in learning. And surprisingly, sometimes there were people of subpar intelligence when it came to other areas, and they excelled when it came, when it came to learning. And we all know that's true. And that's because Limud Torah follows different rules and guidelines than any other discipline. That's because it's not strictly an intellectual pursuit. This is the Chachmas Alekis. This is God's wisdom. In fact, the Chsam Soifer writes, I believe in a footnote somewhere in Shulchan Aruch, that he wonders, how is it the Jewish people come to Babel, and within a few years they forget how to speak the Lashna Kodesh? He says it doesn't make any sense. Hungarians were speaking in uh, Poland, Hungarian, for 200, 300 years. And yet, Jews left Eretz and they come to Babylon, within a few years they stopped speaking Hebrew. Says of Sam Sofer, that is the nature of sanctity. 
Sanctity and the human mind don't really coexist. The human mind is flesh and blood. Holiness, sanctity is chachmas alekis. The Torah and the human mind are not really a good shidduch. And therefore, it requires supernatural, siyata deshmaya, for one, to somehow understand, comprehend, and retain that which they learn. And we all know this is true, but it sort of hit me as a great surprise. If I were to ask you, you know, make me a list of the things that you daven for when you come into shul. Like, what's your top five laundry list of prayers? I should have nachas for my children. I should have shalom bayis. I should have parnasa. I should have parnasa. Maybe I should have also, I forgot, a livelihood. And, um, and all of that. That's usually what people have in mind when they daven. Sometimes they're for shalema. All right, something's going on in Eretz Yisrael. And that pretty much sums up the gamut of our tefillahs. And yet, David HaMelech says, Alzois yispalel kol chosid eilecha liyes mitzoy. Alzois, for this, daven for this. Meaning, of all the things we need to daven for, this is the most important. Remember when I was a kid, I was a bachar, I went to Harav Avigdor Miller, and I had the guts to ask him, why in Berchus Hamazon do we daven Harachamon v'zakini l'mais hamashiach u'lechaye ha'olam haba? Why do we daven for the world to come? You do a mitzvah. You deserve the world to come. Why do we have to pray for the world to come? And I was like shaking, and Rav Miller looked me in the eye. He said, "You want it? You have to daven for it. You can't get anything in this world if you don't daven for it." And later I saw the Ramchal writes in Derech Hashem that the way Hashem set up the world is He's ready. He's already given everything into a storehouse in heaven. It's there. He gave it already. It's not like you have to ask Him to give it. He gave it. You have to ask Him to access it. That's just the way the world is set up. You even have to daven for the world to come. Don't think, oh, I'm going to do a mitzvah and then I automatically get reward. No, you also have to ask for it. And yet, Abraham says, Daven for this. Meaning, this is the most important thing to daven for. The most important thing to daven for is to be successful in learning. What do you mean? Have Rabbi Leibowitz is my rabbi. Of course I'll be successful in learning. I just come to the shir. No. Harbe kategorin mikan just because you want to, doesn't mean you'll be successful. You need to have some peace of mind at home. You have to have some peace of mind in the office. You have to get to shul. You have to be able to think. You have to be able to process. You have to be able to retain. Many ingredients are necessary. If you don't daven for it, it's not going to come by itself. Of all the things in this world that we have to pray for, we have to pray to be successful in learning. I tell you, I, I've said this before even. Preparing it for this particular shear, it actually dawned on me what I'm saying. It's like, hey, Glassin, do you, do you actually, is that how you conduct yourself? Is that what you daven? Is that, in your Shema Kaleinu, if you pause for a few moments and the things you really daven for, when you stand at the Chaisa HaMaravi, when you daven at a Ni'ila, what's foremost on your mind? Is it that I should be successful in learning? 
I tell you the truth, it was a reality check for me, just preparing this, and I've seen this before. The Gemara asked him, What should a person do and become wise in learning? The Gemara says, here's a simple solution. Work less and learn more. Right? The Gemara says, a lot of people try that and it doesn't always work. The Gemara says, Oh, yevakshu rachamim mimi You gotta pray. Which means you could have two guys. One guy is a natural genius. The other guy is subpar intelligence. And guy number two could end up succeeding much more than the first guy because he prays for his success more than the first guy. That's an unbelievable lesson. That's a reality check. What do you mean? Imagine if you told Einstein, you know, you'd really comprehend nuclear physics much better if you would pray to have a deeper comprehension. What does one thing have to do with the other? There is no other discipline where the prayer is such a key and essential ingredient. Now, if we could just quickly segue to a brief halachic subject. I'm not going to tell you any conclusion, just to be aware. Now, the Gemara Brachas and Abchav Ches does say there is a formulated prayer to, to say before we daven. Rabbi Mechunia ben Akana formulated a prayer when you enter the Beis HaKnesses. What do you say? Now, uh, nowadays, I think in most of the Oiz Bahadur Gemaras, they print it. Do they have it in the Maduras Schattenstein? It's there? Mestama, it's there. Not yet. In the next edition. In the Pakistan edition. In the first edition. Okay. We know there's a tefillah, you know, that you say when uh, before you learn. Does anybody say this tefillah? Yeah, when you're in uh, first year based medrash and uh, you have nothing better to do before the Rebbe comes. So, you know, once in a while when you get in the mood, you say that tefillah. Are you supposed to say the tefillah? Is it better to say the tefillah as an obligation? The Rambam in the Parish HaMishnayah says... Chayiv Loimer. You're obligated to say. It's codified in Shulchan Aruch, Simon Kof Yud. Hanich Nesabes HaMedrish, Yispalel. So how come nobody's saying this to you? So the Taz says that, well, maybe you would say this is for big poiskin. So most people, they come to a base medrash, they're not passing major shilas. You know, most of the time, you're coming, you're learning, you're learning Daf Yoimi, you're learning whatever you're learning. But if you're passing in a shaila, then you should have to say the tefillah. Says the Taz, no. Doesn't matter what you're learning, even if you're learning on your own, you should say the tefillah. So why is nobody saying the tefillah? Says the Arach HaShulchan, Nowadays, it is not the custom to say the tefillah. It's on there. It's, you see, it's on that piece of paper. Very good. So there you go. Why? So Archa Shulchan says, Achshav Leinoagu Nowadays, people don't say it. Presumably, if Archa Shulchan is saying and codifying that nowadays people don't do it, he's probably, that's a form of acknowledging that it's alright not to say the tefillah. Says Archa Shulchan, what's the rationale? Why are we not saying the tefillah? So he basically says, the tefillah is for somebody who paskins Shilas in the Beis Hamedrash. So he says there are two kinds of people. He says there are people who pass in Shilas and the people who don't pass in Shilas. There are people who learn in the Beis HaMedrash and there are people who learn at home. Nowadays, anyone in the Beis HaMedrash has no clue how to pass in a Shilas 
And anyone who knows how to pass in a Shiloh learns at home. So halalu v'halalu have been exempted from the tefillah of Rav Nechunya ben Akana. This is the justification of the Arach HaShulchan. The Ritva on the Gemara says that, no, the Gemara doesn't mean you have to say the tefillah. It means you're allowed to say the tefillah. Not every tefillah that you find in the Siddur or on a piece of paper or that you get in the mail along with some donation that you gave for Tzedakah and they send you a tefillah just because you got it and it's in the Siddur doesn't mean you're allowed to say it. People always say, but it says in the Siddur. It says a lot of things in the Siddur. It says in the Siddur, um, in the Hareni Muchan Muzuman, Lekayim Mitzvah Asei Shosfira Soimer. You allowed to say that? Ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Spira Soimer is not a mitzvah sasei deraisa. Are you allowed to say it? Most places can say no. But it's in the Siddur. Not everything in the Siddur you're allowed to say. Shlomo Zalman has a hisnatzlis why you're allowed to say those words. Most places can question those words. Anyway, the Ritzvah says all the Gemara means is it's a rishus. It's not an obligation. In the back of the Gemara Brachos, in the Hagois Re'em Horowitz, he says that Nowadays we say, Ahava Rabba in the morning, Ahava Soivam in the evening, and that covers the tefillah of Hanichnas of Beis HaMedrash and Hayoitzimi Beis HaMedrash. However, Chazonish says that if you want to be successful in learning, you should say the tefillah. I am not here tonight to tell you whether you should or should not say the tefillah. You ask your personal Moira Derach, but I think it is a, a rather a powerful wake-up call as we approach learning and we would like to be successful in learning. And here we see the Gemara, the Talmud Bavli saying, of all the things in life we should daven for, success in learning is number one. Here's another thing. And I hope one day I'll be invited to return to this Beis HaKnesses. But I think this is uh, worthwhile to think about. The Gemara says in Masechta Nadarim, there is a man by the name of Akiva, and Akiva was a shepherd boy, and he did, did not look like he had a bright future. Toysa says he already tried learning, and uh, Rabbi Akiva wasn't about tshuva. Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva was, you know, he was there, and then he, whatever name you want to call, he tried it. It wasn't for him. And then he gave it another shot, and he learned for 12 years, and he had many Talmidim, and um, what's his wife doing? His wife, with great self-sacrifice, let him learn for 12 years. So Rekiva's coming back at the end of 12 years, and he overhears, overhears some wicked guy telling his wife, you're out of your mind. You let your husband leave you like an almana for 12 years? It's crazy. Well, I mean, you went to PTA by yourself, and you made a bar mitzvah by yourself. I mean, they had kids. I mean, who, who, who takes the kid to shul? I mean, what kind of crazy marriage do you have? And Rabbi Kiva overhears this, and um, he wonders, you know, what's the lady going to say? And she says, no, I'd gladly let him go back another 12 years. This is my greatest happiness. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Kiva makes an about face, and he turns around, and he heads right back to the Beis HaMedosh. Well, what a wonderful husband. Why didn't Akiva, at least, at the very least, knock on the door, say, Shalom Aleichem, thank you so much, I can't believe you said that, I'm so gratified, I'm so honored, thank you for the last 12 years, 
Is it okay if I go back for another 12 years? How was the bar mitzvah last year? What did the Rebbe say at PTA? You're doing the taxes on your own. You do shopping on your own. I don't know how you manage. Something. Can Rabbi Akiva go to his wife and just say, how you doing? Hello. Shalom Aleichem. Says Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, very famously, that that would have been a very nice thing to do. But then if Rabbi Akiva would have gone back, he would have learned for 12 years, and then he would have learned for another 12 years. But now that he headed right back to the yeshiva, he didn't learn for 12 years and 12 years. He learned for 24 consecutive years. And in ruchnius and spirituality, the totality of something is much greater than the sum of its parts. And therefore, Rabbi Kiva knew that if he would go home and stop and chat, even for a moment, it would destroy the continuity, the retzifus of his learning, and he couldn't do it. 12 plus 12 does not equal 24. You know, we always wonder. We learn so much. We really do. It's an amazing generation. We, it's, uh, I think over the last 10, 20 years, it's amazing the amount of Torah and Kali Is the Torah that we're learning influencing us? Is it really penetrating our hearts? Is it coursing through our veins? Does it make us different people? That's a challenging question. Is it possible that part of the reason why the Torah is not affecting us, is not influencing us, is not penetrating our hearts the way it really could, is because as much and as dedicated as we are to Talmud Torah, there is a challenge that we have that breaks up our learning, whether it's an hour or a half hour. It's not an hour. It's not 60 minutes. It's a minute, and then another minute, and another minute, and another minute, and sometimes it should be a minute at a time. It's very difficult to say that if, a, if we have a phone on us that's actually on, that the learning that we would do at that time can have a significant impact on our neshama. I mean, if, 20, if 12 years and 12 years does not equal 24 years, then what would, let's say, a half hour of dafyomi or an hour of dafyomi that's broken up by text, WhatsApp, email, and a, a, a barrage of other interruptions. What is that learning going to be? How powerful will it be? How compelling will it be? Imagine what kind of Kabbalah Satara a person would have if they said, whatever amount of time I'm able to dedicate today to Talmud Torah, it will be without interruption. Could there be anything in this world that we could do that will like more instantaneously upgrade and elevate our connection to the Torah. Hard to imagine. Hard to imagine what a dramatic effect that will have on our lives. Regarding the Matzah and Eretz Yisrael, so there's this old uh, Jewish adage. It's a terrible situation. It's crazy. The world is out of control. Society is imploding. Now they have nothing to be afraid of. They have no one in the White House to be afraid of. You know, Hey, what are we going to do? The world is falling apart. That's what we like to say. Somehow it makes us feel better. We could rely on the Rebbeinu Shalom. There is a frightening comment of Rebbe Chanan Vasserman and the Kovitz Mamaram. This is one of the 
most powerful things. Says Rabbi Chana, you know that line, Elona Amili Shine El Alvinu Shemashemayim, is the last line of the penultimate Mishnah Masechta Soita, where the the, the Mishnah and Soita give the whole list of the disasters and catastrophes that will be happening at the end of days. It says Chutzpah Yaski. Chutzpah will proliferate and there'll be inflation and the government will turn to apikarsis and a whole a dozen different terrible things that will happen at the end of days. But the Mishnah says, And I always thought, you know, the Mishnah ends on a good note, on a happy note. It's terrible, it's terrible, it's terrible. But don't worry, you can rely on God. Says Rabbi Hanan, this is not the end of the Masech Tesoita. Why do we have to end on a good note? There's another Mishnah, the Pinchas Ben Yair. Says Rav Hanan, no, that's not how you read the Mishnah. If the Mishnah is giving a whole list of terrible disasters that will take place at the end of days, then the conclusion of the Mishnah is the greatest disaster of all. The greatest disaster of all will be in the end of days when there will be tragedy in the world. People are going to say, there's nothing we can do. We have to fold up our arms and we have to rely on the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. Says Rabbi Hanan, that's the biggest klala in the history of the world. It's a bezayin to the Torah to say that. It's a disgrace to the Torah to say that. What do you mean there's nothing we could do? There's a, there's a lot we could do. Actually, we could do everything. Actually, it's completely up to us. It's not up to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. Rabbi Chaim Velazhna writes, that Rebbein Shalom compares Klal Yisrael to a bunch of horses. You know what it says in Shir Hashirim? Rebbein Shalom says to his beloved Kala, to the horses in Paro's chariots, I compare you, my beloved. Don't try that at home. <laughs> to the horses in Paro's chariots, I compare you, my beloved. That is the romantic comment of the Almighty to Knesset Yisrael. Says Rebchaim Velazhner, what is Rebbein Shalom saying? Says Rebchaim Velazhner, even though it looks like Hashem created the world and He controls the world, I mean, don't we say that? That's only how it looks, says Rebchaim Velazhner. Hashem's the writer. He's Roichev Shamayim Be'ezracha. But He created the world in a way where the way the Rebbein Shalom is manifest in this world is completely dependent on our, our actions. So it looks like he's running the world, but we're guiding him in the direction that we want to take him. Says Rebchaim Velazhner, we are compared to the horses in Paro's chariots. Paro's the rider. He's riding the horse. It looks like Paro's in control. But the thing is, the Egyptians ran headlong into the sea. And the water is coming, caving down on the Egyptians. So Pyro's watching this and Pyro's saying, no, 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 he's, he's holding the horse back. Don't go, don't go, don't go. So it looks like Pyro's the rider, but the horse goes running headlong into the sea. So it looks like Pyro's in charge, but Pyro's not in charge. His horses are in charge. Says Rebchaim Belazhner, God's the rider, but he's a rider like Pyro. You're the horse, but you're like Pyro's horses. You bring the Rebani Shalom you guide him and whatever happens in the world, he didn't do it, you did it. You caused him to do it. Like the Pasuk says, Tenu ois leiloikim, you give strength to God, or that's when you do the mitzvahs. If you don't, it's story lad patashi. So in a way, 
it's very convenient to say, look, you know, we don't understand what's going on. The Almighty has His plans, and we don't know what to do. But on the other hand, it's a cop-out. Because Ein Lanu Amilu Hishayin is a klala. It's we not taking responsibility for what we've brought the world to. It is upon us to be the horses of Paro's chariots and bring the Rebona Shalom to the places that he wants us to bring him. I want to share with you a, an amazing Vilna guy. What do I got? How much time do I have? I take that as a, a little bit. <laughs> I'll share with you one Vilna guy. I always thought there are two kinds of mitzvahs. You daven, you connect to the Yibam Shalom. You, I don't know, you learn, you connect to the Yibam Shalom. You do chesed, you connect to your friend. And that's it. Two luchais, the right side and the left side, and that's all. There's an incredible gun. The gun is found at the end of the bar. It says the gun, there are three categories of mitzvahs. There's benadam l'amakayim. There's benadam l'chaveroi. And then there's Ben Adam La'atzmai, between man and himself. Ben Adam La'amakayim is Tefillah. Ben Adam La'chaveroi is Chesed. I'm going to skip Ben Adam La'atzmai for a moment. The Goin says on the flip side, conversely, you also have three kinds of Averois. Ben Adam La'amakayim, Ben Adam La'chaveroi, Ben Adam La'atzmai, Ben Adam La'chaveroi, Ritzvicha. It's hard to get along and have a positive relationship with somebody who you've killed, Right? Usually very difficult. Ritzicha is a no-no when it comes to Bein Adam L'chavera. Bein Adam L'amokoim. Avoy How do you have a relationship with God when you serve another God? And Arayis, says the Gra, is Bein Adam L'atzmai. Noyef Isha Chasar Lev. You destroy yourself. You destroy yourself. And what is the flip side of Arayis, says the Vilna Gain. The flip side of Arayis is Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is Bein Adam L'atzmai. What does that mean? What is Bein Adam La'atzmai? What kind of mitzvah I have to do for myself? What, what is this? And it seems like the Gra is saying a concept that we should be able to appreciate in the modern world. The Gemara says in Mestach Tabsachim that Rabbi Yosef, every Shavuos, he would make a big suda, he would have juicy meat. Rabbi Yosef would say, Eloi hayoyma de kagarem kama Yosef ika If not for today... I would just be, right, an ordinary Joe. And now I'm Rabbi Yosef. Listen to a Rashi. Ilav hayoyma. If not for this day, sholamadati Torah. Vinisroimamti. If not for this day that I learned Torah and I elevated myself, I would just be an ordinary Joe. But now I'm not just an ordinary Joe. I'm Rabbi Yosef. Listen to the, the sweet music of Rashi. Now I'm sure Rabbi Yosef spent his whole life doing mitzvahs, but Rashi says, I elevated myself. The Gemara continues, Rabbi Sheshes would review his learning every 30 days. At the end of his review, he would go up on the top of the mast of a ship, and he would say as follows, He would talk to himself. You do it all the time. Why can't he do that? 
He would say, rejoice my soul, rejoice my soul. So the Gemara asks, why was he addressing himself and saying that his own soul should rejoice? Don't we learn Torah because by learning Torah you uphold the entire world? And the Gemara says the following expression, which I always thought meant, in the beginning, when you start learning, you should learn for yourself. So as a novice, when you crack open the Gemara, do it for yourself. Ultimately, one day, you'll learn to uphold the whole world. That's not what the Gemara means. Says the Gemara, what does it mean that Torah is bein Adam la'atzmai? He cites these words of Rav Sheish as, Chadoi nafshoi, Chadoi nafshoi. You want to connect to the Rebani Shalom? You need to daven. You want to connect to your friend? You have to do chesed. But God created you with infinite ability, talent, and greatness. How do you access the infinite divine greatness that is latent in your soul? How are you going to do it? Self-actualization. How do you become elevated? Gehoibin. Great. How do you bring out what you have inside of yourself? It's not going to happen just by davening. Davening is wonderful. You're not going to be nisroimim just from davening. It's not going to happen from chesed. Chesed is wonderful. It's necessary. It holds up the world. In order to actualize and bring out the greatness that we all have inside of ourselves. We're created with Selim Aleichem. That means the godless and the divine ability that we have is infinite. How do you access it? How do you tap into it? The answer is, When you're going to shul, yeah, I'm going to learn for the success of my family, and I'm going to learn to protect Klal Yisrael, and I'm going to learn to get reward. But meikara, meikara doesn't mean when I start learning. Says Reb Chaim Friedlander. And this last segment, I saw uh, in the Sefer Mizmar Ladavid, or Rav David Koyen, Rashiva Abchevrayim. Meikara means primarily, fundamentally. Why do we learn Torah? We're not doing it for anybody other than ourselves, so that we could be what we could be. Otherwise, we will just be an ordinary Joe. And the biggest tragedy is for a person who is laden with infinite and endless greatness, only to scratch the surface of what they're capable of. But the Rebbe Shalom gave us a great gift. And that gift is a key, and it's a tool. And the way the tool works is that when you delve into it in the proper way, with the proper preparation, with the proper tefillah, with the proper continuity, without interrupting, if the tool is used properly, it is able to access such tremendous wealth of greatness that rests inside of us that this is why the Yom Tif of Shavuos is such an important day to all of Klal Yisrael. Yes, the whole world stands on what occurred on the Yom Tif of Shavuos. But Me'ikara, primarily the Yom Tif of Shavuos, is for me, it's for each individual, to say, Chadoi Nafshoi. The Yibbani Sham gave us a Torah to elevate ourselves. And that's what we read this week in Pirkei Avais. Kol 
Shaoiz Kami, Shaoisik the Torah, Hareze, Misaleh, Misaleh. So, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring us through the great lights of the upcoming Yom Tif, tremendous Aliyah, through all the Hashboys of the Yom Tif. I thank everybody for uh, your attention and for giving me the opportunity to share with you this evening. Wishing everybody Chag Kosher Sameach, Bracha Vahaslacha, and a good Yom Tif.